I want us to be clear on what baptism is and what it isn't because, of course, there's a lot of confusion out there. And, and I don't want people to be confused on baptism. I want people to understand. I want, want us to be able to just look at God's Word in a, in a literal way and, and try and you know, conclude what is actually being said. We see the command to be baptized, but before we see the command, I want us to just talk about what baptism is and what it isn't. Baptism declares the awesome love and power of God. So when we see someone baptized physically in water, ultimately, our prayer and our hope is that we are communicating through a physical act, we are declaring the the love of God, the power of God, that He would send His only Son to die, to be buried, and to rise again And because of what Jesus did, we too, being identified with him in his death, can be raised to new life spiritually as well. Through God's plan of redemption, he asked his only son to die so that those created in his image could be brought back from the dead to new life in Christ. So there is a great spiritual significance in Christian baptism. We see throughout God's word the need of cleansing from our sins. And so I want us to understand, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, but remember water, water can do a pretty good job of cleansing us of the filth that we accumulate from day to day. And, and every once in a while, you know, we, we smell and we, we look dirty and we know that we need to get clean, Right? We do that periodically. We should do that regularly. But that was a subtle hint, by the way. I don't know. (laughs) Some of you got a jab in your rib, I think, from your wife. But understand that water baptism is just a demonstration of the great spiritual significance of needing cleansing spiritually. Water can't do that. Throughout God's word, we don't see water cleansing people of their sin. We see the water in baptism demonstrating, reflecting something that happens spiritually when we put our faith in Christ. But I want us to talk about the need for being cleansed of our sins. Just listen with me, and if, if you're really good at going through your Bible right now, get your Bibles out, okay, because you're going to look at some verses here. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. Some of you have this memorized, but it helps us to remember that all of us are in need of cleansing of sin. Some of you know this verse. Even you kids, you've memorized this verse in Good News Club and maybe Sunday School. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. So why do we need cleansing of sin? Because all of us are sinners. All of us are in need of a Savior. We fall short of God's perfect expectation of holiness and righteousness. We fall short of that mark. We miss the mark. And so we're in need of 
being cleansed of our sin. We already talked about this in communion as we took the, the element of, of the, the juice or the wine, which reminded us of the blood of Christ. Hebrews 9.22, again, you have to be quick here. Hebrews 9.22 is a fantastic, that, that whole passage in chapter 9 and 10 talks about that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin that he was the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist declared in John 1.29. But in Hebrews 9.22, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And the writer goes on to explain that all the sacrifices of animals, and we see in the Old Testament, the animal sacrifices that happened on a daily basis never took care of the sin completely. It covered it for a temporary period of time, but it was th- that, that sacrificial system was to point to the one that would take care of it for all time, and that is the perfect lamb, Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of his blood, ultimately there is no forgiveness. And so, again, we're thinking about needing cleansing of sin, right? Now listen to this. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. Again, if you can go there quickly, go there because this is, I I would highly encourage those that have lived sort of a life that you're not proud of um, either before coming to Christ or maybe even after coming to Christ at times because we, we, we sin and we mess up. And this verse speaks of a transformation of who we were to who we are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 talks about the previous verses talk about adulterers and idolaters and uh, people that participated in all kinds of sin, all right? I'll just lump it all together. And then Paul says this, after he says, this is, this is you know, the, the, the way people live their lives apart from Christ. And then he said in verse 11, he said, some of you were once like that. Some of you used to live this sinful lifestyle just like he was describing in the previous verses. But then he says this, some of you were once like that, but listen, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Think about the significance of that. We're sinners in need of a Savior doing all kinds of things that dishonored the Lord and reflected that we weren't following the Lord and we lived that way. And then it says, but you were cleansed. Paul didn't say that they had a big baptismal service and everybody got dunked in some water, right? No, he was talking about a spiritual transformation that took place as they believed on Jesus Christ. As it says there, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. That's believing on Him. That's putting your faith in Jesus and what He did at the cross for you. And so cleansing, the spiritual significance of baptism, is a spiritual cleansing. Hold on, I want to read a few more verses. Now go over to Titus. So after 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, there's this little book called Titus. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 are, again, helping us to understand the need for a spiritual cleansing. So Paul says this to Titus, But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. And then he says this, He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life 
through the Holy Spirit. Again, not through water baptism, but through a spiritual transaction of faith in Christ because of God's mercy and grace. It says that he washed our sins away. So the spiritual cleansing that we need of being cleansed of our sins doesn't happen up here. Make sense? We have to be so clear on that. Why? Because there's lots of churches that get it wrong. And we as human beings, whether we're whatever church we belong to, we as human beings are very prone to getting it wrong. And so we have to go back to the timeless truth of God's word and read it for what it says, not what it doesn't say, or how we might twist it. And so we have to look at it for what it says. We are cleansed, we are washed of our sins through faith in Christ, through the working of His Spirit convicting us and drawing us to faith in His Son, Jesus. So, now note Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism... And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So what's Paul saying there? It sounds like he's saying that, that water baptism is how we are joined or united with Christ in his death, and, and so that's part of the transaction. And a lot of churches teach that, that you have to get physically baptized to sort of complete the deal of faith in Christ. I don't think that's at all what Paul is saying. In fact, the context of, of Romans chapter 6 and going back into chapter 5 and then reading on is all about faith, chapter 4, believing on Jesus. And then as a result, Paul is explaining what took place spiritually when you did believe. This is what took place spiritually. You were spiritually baptized. He wasn't talking about a, a physical dunking into water, but he, we, we identified with Christ at the moment of faith and at that moment of believing, so think back to the time when you put your faith in Christ. I was four years old. Um, I remember specifically that I was sitting with my mom on the steps of our trailer in a little town called Oak Creek, Colorado. Crick, it's pronounced Crick, not Creek. Okay, but, but I remember that moment specifically. I don't remember much. I don't remember much about the Holy Spirit convicting me of sin, but I do remember that I had done something wrong and my mom was telling me that my sin separated me from God and that I needed to put my faith in Jesus and what he did at the cross for me. And I did that day. Now, as I grew up and, and understood more than, than it made more sense what I did that day, but simple belief in Jesus and what he did at the cross saves us. It is by faith that we are saved not by anything else. And so I want us to see that it is, it is the moment of belief. So think back to that time when you put your faith in Christ. That is when you were baptized. You may not have felt it, but I think some of you may have felt it. You, you felt a transformation take place. You felt the Holy Spirit come and indwell you because he says he does at the moment we believe. And there is a spiritual transformation. That is spiritual baptism. Now, so we come to this today. Being water baptized 
publicly declares the spiritual reality of our union with Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're talking about today is making the connection between the spiritual that has already taken place by faith in Christ. I've already been saved. I'm baptized. I belong to Jesus. I know that if I were to die today, I would be with him. But now I am doing this publicly and physically to proclaim and declare, even online, to declare to anybody that's watching that I have already, prior to this event, put my faith in Christ, and I want everybody to know that I'm a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ. So this is a great privilege for you and I to proclaim our only salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only is baptism an amazing privilege with great spiritual significance, it is a command. It's a command that as we put our faith in Christ, we as followers of Jesus Christ should be obedient to what he says. And so now, most of you know this this famous verse at the end of Matthew 28 where Jesus gives the great commission to go out and to, to make disciples, right? And he tells the disciples to go out and spread the gospel and spread the good news. And then he says in verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. And then he says this, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we see a very clear command to follow in obedience and be baptized. Water baptism is the step in which the believer who has already put their faith in Christ is willing to do, is obedient to do. So think of it this way, just like wearing a wedding ring. If I were, I, you see this wedding ring, um, it tells everybody else that I'm married. Now, if I wasn't married, I could still put on this wedding ring and it would tell people that I was married, but would it make me married just because I put on a ring? A wedding ring doesn't make you married, right? The wedding vows and a covenant before God makes you married. When you sign on the dotted line, not a wedding ring. The same thing with water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save you, but it simply is telling everybody else what has already taken place about your faith in Christ. So Christian baptism is done out of obedience to our Lord's command. So let me just ask you a couple questions, and then we're going to have these, uh, these individuals come up here that are going to get baptized. Let me just ask all of you these questions, and you can answer them in your heart or out loud if you want to. But listen and think about this. For whom did Christ die? Who did he die for? Whose sin did he bear? Do you know? He died for you. He bore your sins and my sins. For whom did Christ rise from the dead? He he rose again for you and me. See, Paul proclaimed his identity with Christ in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live by, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Water baptism is, is simply that confession that Paul made in Galatians 2.20, that I have been crucified with Christ going under the water, 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this physical act demonstrates and tells everybody else, I am a follower of Christ and I have been born again and I want to live for the Lord. And so sometimes water baptism can be a wonderful, and I think it's a very spiritual, significant time where the individual being baptized is telling everybody else, I want from this day forward to do exactly what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and, and it's not about me anymore. I want to live for the Lord. And so I am demonstrating through this baptism and telling everybody else I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to honor him, and I want to tell others about him with the remainder of my days.